Passionate, driven, enthusiastic, euphoric. This is who we are as entrepreneurs. But how we leverage these incredible attributes to dream and build businesses that scale and grow is what this podcast is all about. Hello, I'm attorneypreneur Josh Brown, and welcome to Franchise Euphoria. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Franchise Euphoria. Today, I'm thrilled to have on Dr. Sharon Livingston. Dr. Livingston is an author, hypnotist, and business coach who has personally assisted hundreds of people to refine their best qualities, helping them find the right niche and build their businesses from scratch. She has interviewed more than 60,000 people and is referenced in the New York Times bestselling book by Stephen Covey, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Dr. Livingston is here today to help you, the listeners, understand some of the biggest mistakes people in leadership make and help provide some insights into how you as an entrepreneur and as a business owner, as a franchise owner, can be more confident and successful in your business. Thanks, Dr. Livingston, for coming here. How are you doing? I'm doing great, and I'm much happier when you call me Sharon. Sharon, I will happily call you Sharon. But <laughs> you have such a tremendous background um, in so many different things that I just wanted to give that brief, brief bio and kind of give you an opportunity to tell us a little bit about about your history and 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 your evolution um, over time, because you've definitely been involved in a lot of different and interesting things that really gives you a lot of uh, credibility in this space. Well, so thank you very much. Um, when I was a little girl, I loved to ask people questions. I started out with my mother. We'd be ironing. She'd be ironing. I was three. And I would start asking her questions because that was the only time I got to see her. Otherwise, she was a working woman and she was in my dad's store. And so I learned there how to ask open-ended questions. I, I learned how to be an interviewer because if, if I'd say, Mommy, what was I like when I was a baby? <laughs> She'd go, oh, you were cute. Or you'll see when your sister's born, how she knew I was going to have a sister. I don't know, because they, they didn't have those tests back then. And But if I said, Mommy, what were you like when you were a baby? She'd go on and on and on and on. So I, um, I learned how to ask open-ended questions. I learned how to uh, involve people and get them to talk to me. Because I, I was a lonely little kid. I had three older brothers, and I was lonely. So I needed to engage people. And I brought that into my first work, my first real work. I mean, you know, I had lots of little jobs as a teenager. Sure. But uh, I became an interviewer in a marketing research, in the market research world. And uh, I learned how to run groups. And part of that was from my psychology background, because I was studying psychology at the same time. I'm one of those 24-7 people. I don't sleep very much. So <laughs> I don't. I understand. Yeah. So uh, after work, I was in school and I would be applying what I was learning to, to my work. And I created a whole bunch of different proprietary tools for running groups and uh, how to make them more interesting and how corporations could learn more about their real consumer and, and how to name products and how to even create new product ideas. And I did that with many, many, many people for many years. And at the same time, I was getting my, you know, advanced degrees. And 
just a few years ago, my husband and I, my husband also has a PhD in psychology and he, he went the other way. He went from practicing as a therapist to marketing and he's kind of an internet guru on his own, teaching people how to build their businesses and market. And so we have both research and psychology in common. And most recently, a few years ago, we started this our coaching program where we teach people how to become coaches and we certify them. And the only other thing that's a huge deal is that in, I mean, I was president of a, the organization of moderators a number of years ago and uh, the biggest one in, in the, the world actually. And I, I just published a book. So. <laughs> and what book's that? It's called Get Lost Girlfriend, How I Found Myself When My Best Friend Dumped Me. And it's a fictionalized account of something that actually did happen that the first day it was out on Kindle, which was December 16th, Jack Canfield, you know who Jack Canfield is, sure. right? Yeah. Chicken he soup wrote, for the soul, right? Yeah. He wrote an incredible review. I actually have a video review from him of my book. So, so that's the biggest excitement in my life at the moment. Well, you know, what's interesting to me is that in the in the entrepreneurial space, in the franchise space, it takes a whole lot of things for people to be successful, right? I mean, it takes – you obviously have to have skills. You have to have a market. You got to have people who are helping you do it. And underlying all that is our, psycho, our psychological elements. And it seems to me that you really – um, have some good insights from that perspective, sort of like the psychology of leadership, the psychology of entrepreneurship, why we choose to do the things that we do. Does all of that, is that sort of an underpinning of everything that you do? Um, I might not have served it up in that way, but yeah, of course it is. Uh, it's, it's, that's what struck me when I was reading through, you know, your bio and, 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 re, and researching up on you. How, how would you describe it? How would you describe um, sort of, um, sort of what you do in terms of um, helping folks avoid mistakes in leadership and helping people be more confident and, and successful in the business. Cause that's just such a huge thing. You know, that's just such a huge deal for people. So one of them is to really know who they are, because if you don't know who you are, then you're going to be reflecting what other people think you are. So first of all, you need to know what is your passion? Why are you there? Why are you a leader anyway? When you, why do you want to be a leader? And if it's only about money and power, you're going to probably not do that great. I mean, you might do okay for a while, but that doesn't work. You know, the, the biggest thing now that, the, that we're talking about in, in corporations is uh, employee engagement. And happy employees make for happy uh, profits, right? Sure. Because they want to be there. There's less absenteeism. They, they're more productive. They're doing their work, uh, rather than, you know, posting on Facebook. <laughs> um, and so if you have a leader who is there for the joy of leading. And, and to me, leading is about having a purpose, having a mission, and then inviting others to, to come along with their strengths. It's recognizing what their differences are, what their strengths are. And try not to sneeze. It's okay if you do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That's um, quite okay. So... We're actually 
doing a program. It's funny that this happens to be uh, the topic at the moment because we're starting a new program on employee engagement where we're teaching leaders how to recognize differences from the point of view of what the emotional and benefits are to each employee. Why are you here? What do you get out of it? What would make it better? What would the ideal platform be for you so that you you would get up in the morning and just bounce right out of bed? And I've created a tool, it's called the Livingston Paradigm of Self-Esteem, that I used in, in marketing that we are now using with employees. And so the leader first has to know their own and then it has to be in sync with the other people in the team and, and also different because, you know, I'm sure this is nothing new to you. You don't want to give somebody a job that they hate doing because not. what are they going to do? What are they going to do? They're going to be miserable. They're going to quit. They're going to be looking for, for another job and they're not going to do a good job. Probably most importantly at what they do. Right. Right. And so it's like, in education now, it's the same kind of thing where good teachers are looking for the strengths of the kids and not necessarily forcing them to learn something that they really have no interest in. And that's what that's what the most powerful companies do, in my opinion, is that they the leaders are there knowing who they are and what they want. And they are working with their team so that the team is functioning from their passion. Well, I think that's kind of interesting. You mentioned the tool that you you created that um, really helps with employee engagement. I think that is there. Can you sort of break down that what what the tool? I know you said what the tool does, but how, how do you how does somebody implement that? Is there is there a process that you take um, entrepreneurs through or the employees through uh, to sort of assess assess their engagement, assess their interests, assess their passions? I think that's you know, one of those things that's um, we can do it right here and now. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Okay, so Josh, what's the best thing about doing this podcast, doing your radio show? The best thing by far is me being able to hopefully provide helpful information, i.e. valuable information for folks out there who are interested in franchising or interested in buying a franchise. So hopefully they can make a smarter, better decision. Okay, so hold on one second. Okay, so what's what's the benefit to you of providing valuable information for people interested in franchising? Well, I think first it it, it helps them, right? I mean, it helps people who are clearly seeking something um, that they need. Um, but what's what, what's good for you about that? What's valuable for you? If if you can give valuable information for people uh, who want to do franchise for you personally, what's good about that? What's a benefit? You mean for me? Okay, so for my business or for me just personally? Either way. Okay, I'd say for my for my business, I think it creates um, it, it creates a relationship where people hopefully know, like, and trust me, and then when they need my services, they reach back out to me. But I've I've sort of invested in that relationship and now created some sort of a trust where now if they are looking for legal needs in that in that way, they would feel comfortable to reach back out to me. And so what's the benefit to you of people who know and trust you reaching out for your legal counsel? Well, I think one of the benefits is, is that if people know and trust you um, and they believe that what you're going to provide them is going to be valuable, that usually has the makings of, of the start of a good relationship. And in my line of work, when I work with people, I certainly am looking to work with people who 
who I know, like, and trust and who know, like, and trust me because I think that gives it the best option for me to ultimately help them um, succeed in their franchise endeavors. And what's the benefit to you personally knowing that you've helped them succeed in their franchise endeavors? I think it just feels good. I mean, it just, I mean, I'm the type of person just makes me feel good helping other people. I think it feels good to know that um, over the years I've created a knowledge base that um, is able to help people who may not have the same knowledge or the same experience. So I think selfishly that feels that feels good. So if you couldn't use the word good because good means 10 things to 10 people, it makes you feel what? Oh, this is interesting. Um, valued. So tell me about another time having nothing to do with franchises or law where you really felt valued. It could have been yesterday. It could have been 10 years ago. It could have been when you were three. But you really felt valued in a similar kind of way, but having nothing to do with your work at this time. Having nothing to do with my work? Well, I will tell you that I feel valued in probably the most special way, the best way when, you know, yesterday is I'm put, I've got three daughters. I've got a seven-year-old, a two-year-old, and a six-month-old. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. All girls. Girls rule, right? Um, and we're sitting there last night, and um, we had just finished, my wife and I, we just finished with dinner and everything. And uh, I was sitting on the couch with my with my oldest, Sophia. Uh, who's seven, and then um, two. I love that name. Naomi. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> oh, and I love Naomi too. You do good naming. <laughs> oh yeah, we got Sophia, Naomi, and Eliza. How about that? Oh my name? goodness, I love it. <laughs> so, I felt very valued when we were sitting there and we were watching a cartoon. I don't even know what cartoon it was, um, but Sophia just leaned over and said, "Daddy, I love you." I that just felt really, really good. So I guess I felt very, very valued in that sense um, on a on a deep personal level. So look at what we just learned. So if, if I, if you were working for a larger organization and they really wanted to help you feel good about your work, they really need to figure out how to value you and show you that and show you the love, show you this just very innocent, simple love. Yeah, that's interesting. So how does that, so when you, I mean, it's really, it's really kind of taking a deep dive and crossing over into the personal side. Is that, is that challenging to do with people in a business relationship? Well, we just did it. Yeah. I mean, in your everyday, I mean, is this, is this what, is this what it's like? I mean, do you meet, is this more on a one-on-one -on -one basis with each employer or is it more group based? You can do it either way. Um, you know, and this is this is my life. This is the way I live. I walk into an elevator and I walk out knowing everyone's life story. So, <laughs> and you know, it's so interesting that people who come into our coaching program, one of the things they always say is that if they're on an airplane, they're in an elevator, they're they get into uh, any kind of situation where there are people, everybody's always telling stories. So. Uh, to me, this is really easy. And of course, they're going to tell me deeper stories because I'm, I'm that kind of person. Like, I like that. So people sense what you are willing to hear and they'll tell you. And if you're a tiny bit vulnerable, they'll tell you everything, everything, even things you wish you never heard. So, <laughs> so once, so once we've, so once we've identified that, right. So once you've, you've really gotten into the soul of somebody and you say, okay, this is what they value. This is what they love. This is what they like. Then what's the next step? 
So what might that look like? You know, if you could create a picture, maybe it's a vision board. If you could create a picture of what your work life would be like, the ideal work situation where you really felt good about yourself because you felt so valued, what might that look like? What might it look like for you, Josh, that, that, you're, that you feel even better about it? Like, what would your desk look like? What would your office look like? What would your everyday encounters look like from the start of the day to the end of the day? It's an interesting question. You know, I look at my desk right now and it's a total mess. But what I would like for it to look like and what I would love for my day to look like would be able to come in and really kind of if I've got 10 things on my to-do list to do, be able to go down and knock, knock down all 10, mm-hmm. have things organized, process, and move on to the next thing. That never happens. That's probably why I crave it so much because, of course, I have 10 things to do on my to-do list and then 10 other things come up, some of which um, I could put off and I'm guilty of not putting off others. If you know, it's a client that needs something and, and it's, it's something that pops up right away. It's difficult. Um, it's difficult to manage all of that. So I think for me, it would be nice to find, um, and I'm constantly striving, frankly, for a better, uh, system of organizing and, and, um, and taking care of things always in search of being as efficient as possible. I mean, I'm fortunate. I've got some people who work for me too. So that, certainly helped. But for a good period of time when I was doing it on my own, simply literally on my own, um, it became very, very, very overwhelming. Um, I'd say on the good side in terms of what, what I like and what I look for is that part of the reason I started my own business was because I wanted to be able to do things the way I wanted to do them, which I certainly do. And I wanted to be able to be in a position where uh, I never really missed out on things with my family. You know, if my girls have something, if they've got an after school activity or something like that, I can always work that in to my schedule. And I think that has been very, very satisfying uh, to me as well. So if I was going to want to remind you of what you valued in that way, <clears throat> perhaps what I would do is every now and then maybe I'd give you something that represented freedom. Or, you know, I could see a, like one of your girls or all three of them holding a heart and putting that in a picture for you to have on your desk or the wall or um, something that represents uh, organization and maybe, maybe bring in, like maybe if there were a whole bunch of people who had the same issue, maybe bring in a clutter specialist. There are a lot of people now who do personal productivity and they simplify our, our lives, whether it's in the office or at home. And so depending on that, yeah, I know someone, where are you? You're in Indiana, in Indiana. Yeah. Indianapolis, really Carmel. Actually, it's just a little suburb of, 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 uh, Indianapolis. So, yeah, I know a great person in Maine. I wonder if I could send her out to you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but, but, but there, these are simple things that could make you feel really excited about your office. And if your office was uncluttered and you had these reminders of your freedom and the love from your little girls, your wife, I mean, that's inspiring, isn't it? Makes you want to work harder so you can get out earlier and go be with the kids. No, it absolutely is. And I know for myself, you know, I could make that happen. I mean, I'm curious what happens when you run into a situation where you 
where you're talking with employees of maybe a larger organization. And I, I don't know, what, what would be really a sweet spot for you if there is one in terms of the size of organization? Because I think you've worked with a whole lot of right. large corporations, haven't you? Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, in, in a lot of organizations, once you identify, um, you know, who, you know, what people are looking for, how they're going to feel valued and satisfied in their role, oftentimes you must run into situations where what they want and what can actually be done aren't the same thing. So what they want might be a, a goal to work towards, something to strive towards, but there are intermittent goals along the way. So if I want to make $58 million from my book by next year, that might be a little bit overkill, but maybe I could sell 200000 this year. So if I can you know, make the goals smaller with the big goal a little bit further down the road, then we can uh, work towards that much more easily. And with a large corporation, you'll see you start at the top. You always have to start at the top, as high to the top as you can get, and find out what that person's vision is. We need to know the vision of each of these people. So you're working with the CEOs? Yeah, absolutely. So, but not always. I mean, you, you can come in at different levels, but ideally you're starting at the top and you're maybe even spending a day with them and see how they spend their day and walk around with them. I did that at Bausch and Loma a few years ago and, um, and then see how they interact with their direct reports. And then you have a meeting with all of them. So you meet with each one individually, you meet with them together and you start problem solving what their vision is. And then that filters down and they, they do it with the people under them and they do it with the people under them. So it becomes a whole culture. You know, what is our culture? What do we believe in as a culture? And is this it's, the same? Is this like the same? Is this the same process that you do for employees as you would do for the CEO? Oh, sure. Absolutely. And, you know, this stuff happens. It doesn't matter. As soon as you're more than one person in an organization, all of the stuff is there. I've, I've my own company uh, with my husband, we've had we've had as little as three or four people and we've had as many as 150. And the as soon as you have more than you know one person, a dynamic happens. It just happens. And you have to work those things through. Well, and it's amazing too, because if you don't have a good, even in a small company, if you don't have a good culture, if you, if you don't have the right people on board, um, it, there's all sorts of bad things that can happen. I mean, not only can you, can you have a business that's not very productive, but now you, you run the risk of, of the bad people negatively influencing the good people. And then, yes. you, I mean, all sorts, and that's what I've seen in my experience too, which is, is one of those things that a lot of people don't think about, but I've seen a number of times where, where, you know, the proverbial uh, bad apple does spoil the bunch. And that's really a, an awful thing to see in an organization. Right. Cause then you have to clear out the rot and kind of rebuild. And that happens sometimes, but there's also a thing about if, if there was um, a possibility for someone to be spoiled, they probably had the, the seeds of it anyway. It was probably not the right environment for them. And maybe they'll be sorry later on. Who knows? But, um, well, I'm there's, curious there's how, often, how often when you're working with people in some of these larger companies where you're either end, end up telling the employee or telling the CEO, yeah, this is just really not a good fit because that can be a tremendous service in and of itself. 
So I wouldn't say that directly because I don't want to offend anybody. Yeah. But um, but I would help them to 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 see is this where you is this what you want to do? Is this in line with your values? Is this how you want to be working? You know, are these people the right people? Are you forcing them to do things they hate doing? I mean, I'll give you an example. Sure. Uh, there's a a test called the Berkman. And there's a wonderful, there are a couple of wonderful people for you to interview, by the way. One of them is my husband who runs the strategic growth director portion of our uh, our company, which is very business oriented and growing businesses and stuff. I think you'd find that interesting. And also a psychologist. Um, I'll, I'll make the introduction. And the other one is this woman, Sarah E. Brown, who uh, has worked with corporations for many years. And she now does her own spin on the Berkman test, uh, which is, a, it's, it's sort of like the Myers-Briggs on steroids. Sure. It's customized. And she gives you a book. It's called The Book of You. And you look at that and you get a sense of who you are. And then she does it for the whole team. That's one of the things we work with her as well. One of the things that we do. So we were creating a, this employee engagement thing that I was telling you about. And we wanted everyone on our team to take the Berkman and have Sarah do her book about it and send it to them. And one of the people works for me. And she said, no, do I really have to do <laughs> Do I have to take that test? And she hated it. I mean, she said, yeah, I mean, some of it was right on, others of it. I was, oh, I don't know. I said, well, you can go back and take it again if you think you put the wrong answers down. She said, no, that's torture. And I forgot to her, that's torture. I can't make her do that kind of thing. Even though I don't understand why she would think it wasn't the most fun thing in the world. <laughs> to me, it's so much fun, but not to her. Right, right. To each their own, right? Exactly. And you have to be, and I think I'm a, a really good employer. And I think she, that she would say the same thing. And sometimes I forget she's not me. So do you, so I'm curious, do you work mostly, I mean, I know you work with a lot of different companies. You've got a, you've, you've worked with thousands of companies. Um, and, you know, this whole idea of leadership, I think it's always something that that um, CEOs, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, um, whatever the case may be, I think everybody struggles with that a little bit. I mean, I think everybody who is um, really serious about what they do and serious about their craft and serious about getting better um, wants to try to become a better leader. Um, what What are some of the things that you're seeing, um, if you can identify them, that are that that tend to hold people back, especially you know younger entrepreneurs, up and coming entrepreneurs. So the most important thing is, I think, is the one that I just said, which is not realizing that people are different. So if I think that someone would love something and I've missed the boat that they hate it, boy, I'm really not seeing them. I'm I'm looking through my own filter, and I think that a leader can do that. They look through their own filter and like, of course, everybody would want that. No. I mean, really? Are you kidding me? How could you not want that? Well, I mean, I, I grew up in a family of cooks, and I did not get the cooking gene. My husband likes to cook more than I do, and he eats raw. So you know how much cooking we do. So, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I could feel bad about myself that 
I really don't enjoy cooking. I like, you want to make something good for me to eat? I'm happy to eat it. I'm really happy to eat it, but I don't want to cook it. I don't, it's like people have tried to tell me about the creative process and how creative it is to do that. And I don't get it. I just don't get it. Let me paint something. I'll, I'll be happy to do that, but not to cook. So I think we have, as leaders, we're trying to make a better world from our point of view. And that's the biggest problem when we have a vision and expect everyone else to have the same vision. And we, you know, enforce it on others. You know, that's interesting. And I think also, I was, as you were uh, talking about that, I was thinking about the fact that, you know, I think it's also what, what I started thinking about was how important it is to, to be able to stay in your own wheelhouse, right? Stay in the areas in which you're comfortable in which I think it's always good to get to obviously learn and grow. Um, but I, I think part of good leadership is, is getting other people around you who can kind of plug, plug in the gaps, fill in the gaps, plug in the holes kind of a thing. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. I'm in, I, excuse me, I'm an ENFP in Myers-Briggs typology and my number one who really makes sure that, uh, I'm not so cluttered is an ESTJ. And so she really balances me in that way because otherwise my desk would be totally cluttered. I wouldn't be able to find things. I might not make a meeting on time. I'm the creative one. I'm the one who likes to go out and teach. I'm the one who likes to, you know, lead from the heart. And she's the one that goes, okay, now we're going to do this. <laughs> you have to do this. We're putting it in order. And you have to tell me exactly what page that exercise goes on. Okay. Okay. Because otherwise when I print out the book, you're, they're going to be flopping around and not knowing what page to go to. So I need that. Yeah, I absolutely. Need the balance. Absolutely. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's, it's funny, Sharon, we've been talking now for 30 minutes. I didn't even realize it. Um, it's been a really interesting conversation. I want to respect your time. Um, Obviously, you have you have such a, a varied background. I think it, I just like I've said, I think it's just so interesting. I think for folks out there who are uh, in the entrepreneurial space, in the franchise space, or maybe looking to become business owners um, th themselves, do you have any resources you would refer them to? Or if if not, maybe just provide your own contact information, because I'd love for folks to get get a hold of you and your husband. It sounds like you do a, a whole lot of coaching, a whole lot of advising, a lot of consulting. Um, and so I think there's really a potential, potentially good opportunity there. Oh, that would be terrific. So people can call me directly. I might not get back to you instantly, but I will within 24 hours. They can call my cell, which is 603-505-5000. And um, they can call me for, they can call me for both myself and Glenn. Glenn's number is a little bit harder to remember, although I'm happy to give it if you would like. Whatever you would prefer. It's up to you. <laughs> So his number is 603-490-3844. And you guys are in, you, so you guys do work all, all across the country? All, all around the world. All around the world. Wow, fantastic. Well, thank you for taking the time here to really come in and, and, and talk a little bit about it. Like I said, I'm really, really impressed with your, with your background and all the different things, things you're doing. And I look forward to staying in touch. Thank you. And you know, I, I would love to interview you sometime. I'd love to do it. I love it. I, I, I get interviewed from time to time from other people's podcasts. Usually it's about, you know, being an attorney with my own podcast and other types of yeah. stuff, but happy yeah. to be interviewed. Absolutely. That would be great. Well, thanks again, Sharon. Thank you. Hopefully this was helpful for you today. If you are in the market for a franchise, I would 
highly encourage you to check out my free ebook, which is what to know before you buy a franchise. You can head over to my website at Indie, that's I-N-D-Y, FranchiseLaw.com and download it there for free. And um, let me know what you think. If you're enjoying this podcast, if you're enjoying the value that you're getting from this podcast, I'd also invite you to go to iTunes and uh, provide me with a rating and review. It always helps uh, for visibility on the podcast. So thank you so much for your support and uh, hope this episode was helpful to you. Thanks for being with us today on the Franchise Euphoria podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to go to iTunes and provide a review. Also, please remember that although Josh Brown is a licensed and practicing attorney, nothing contained in this podcast should be construed as legal advice, because it is not. The information contained in this podcast is general and educational in nature, and none of it should be relied upon as legal advice. That being said, if you have questions for Josh and would like to contact him, please email him at josh at franchiseuphoria.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you tune in to our next weekly episode.